This is Jocko Underground Podcast number 60 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. We are sitting here getting ready to record this thing, mm-hmm. and I'm saying Echo Charles, I'm saying Jocko Willink. What's in a name? Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this the other day. It turns out there's a, there's a lot. There can be a lot in a name. There's a theory as I researched this. There's a theory, or, or should I say, there's a, ha- a hypothesis that people tend to gravitate toward things in life that kind of fit their names, hmm. which is an interesting thing to think about. The, the hypothesis is called the nominative determinism, which means name-driven outcome. So whatever your name is, hmm there's a decent chance that that might influence the way you think and where you end up in life. Mm-hmm. Maybe decent chance is a strong word, and we'll get some of the research here. There's an October issue of The Psychologist, and it says that authors, authors gravitate towards areas of research that fit their surname. This is, this is, this is research. Yeah. Uh, the example in the article they use is there's an article on incontinence from uh, the British Journal of Urology, and it's written by Dr. A.J. Splatt and Dr. D. Weedon. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's kind of strange, right? It seems strange, yeah. Uh, there's another magazine, uh, a British magazine, had some good examples. There's a guy named Andrew Drinkwater who works at the Water Research Center. There's a guy named Dr. Will Welfare who's works at the Public Health Department in England. There's a guy named Alan Toogood who's a Samaritan volunteer. Uh, a woman named Dr. Pam Graves, Pam Graves, and she's an archeologist. There's a guy named Tom Kitchen, guess what he is? He's a chef, yes, you see what I'm going? A woman named Sarah Blizzard, BBC Weather. Weather reporter, a guy named Aaron Farr. He's a distance runner. Uh, when you speak of running, Usain Bolt. Okay, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, that's real. So there is a little bit of research behind this. And look, it looked like even the numbers that they threw up were. It's pretty minimal. Mm-hmm. It's not like this direct correlation. Mm-hmm. But at the same time from, I started thinking about this pragmatically, like how how does this apply to us as people in what we do and how we interact and how we interact in groups and how we lead groups if we're leading groups. Mm. Think about when you give a team a name or when you give a nickname to someone, Mm. right? So if you nickname your kid, dummy, you see what I'm saying? Sure. How's that gonna work out? Yeah. If you nickname your kid Champ, hey Champ, come here. Mm. You, how's that gonna work out? Yeah. Look, is this 100% correlation? No. Mm. But let's face it, if you nickname your kid Dummy or you nickname your kid Champ, mm. now look, you could nickname your kid Champ and then think they should win everything and now they are a brat, right? Could that happen? Sure. Mm. But if you nickname your kid Knucklehead, or you nickname your kid Ace. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. These these can have, and they, they did some legitimate, in reading some of these things, they had some legitimate things the way this turns out. Uh, and the real obvious examples 
is like naming a team or naming a military unit. Hackworth in the Korean War, he took over Fox Company and changed it immediately to Fighter Company. Think about what that does to the mentality. And when he got to Vietnam, he, would, he took over the Hopeless Battalion and he changed it to the Hardcore Battalion. I think we might have the Hard Luck. Hard Luck Battalion? Ah, confused. But he changed the name to Hardcore. Why? Because the other one doesn't even matter anymore because we're the Hardcore. Yeah. Uh, I did the same thing at SEAL Team 3, changed Tasking to Bravo to Tasking to Bruiser. So this is an important thing to think about. It's an important thing. Here's another thing. Like you're at work. You got a guy on your team. What nickname do you give them? Mm. Now in the SEAL teams, it's awful. You're going to yeah. get a nickname that is making fun of you. Yeah. Uh, that's the way it is. I mean, Dave Burke. You know Dave Bur- Burke's nick- call sign? Yeah. Well, now it's a good deal, Dave. Yeah, but the but call sign, yeah, Chip. Yeah, yeah Chip, which was making fun of him because he chipped his chipped teeth his on teeth. something. Yeah. You know, some pilot thing. Sure. Uh, <laughs> So name people and name things and nickname people positive things and you are going to at least have a chance that you have a positive impact on the scenario. Yeah. And you know, even you can nickname, you can name processes. Like mm. you have a process for something. And if you name it, you know, the drag, mm-hmm. <laughs> no one's gonna like it. Yeah. But if you call it lightning, people are going. And you yeah, can see the government. Point, the government yeah. tries to do this stuff too, right? Uh, yeah, they yeah. give things the framing, names. Yeah. They frame it a certain way. Yeah. What do you think about your name, Echo? Yeah, I don't know. I just I, I don't know. Like what depends on what you mean. So do you if, think it had an impact on your life? Yeah. Compared the, to you have a twin brother, yeah. right? Your twin brother. His name is also kind of new, unique, right? Jade. Yeah. yeah. Did it have some kind of impact on you? Yeah. What, d- what kind of impact? What if your name was Bill? Yeah, it fell in line with the idea that I was just different a little bit. So mm-hmm. I always felt different. Mm-hmm. And I don't know in what way, to be honest. And I don't <laughs> even know what even that even means. <laughs> but you know, like, I guess most, it, that's kind of the irony, right? Where uh-huh. we all feel different. We all feel like we're different, right? A little bit. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we do, maybe don't. I know I did. Put it that way. So even, You felt different? Yeah. Because your name? My name was one of the things that made me what feel, else even, made you feel more, even more different. I don't know. Like, I guess when you think about it, what, that I had a twin brother, that made me different. Do you remember um, when you realized that you were a person? Yeah. What was it? Two years old. What, what do you remember? Doing this. When, when people would ask me, how old are you? You know, it's mm-hmm. a common question. And I yep. do this, and I remember seeing this, like, between my fingers. Seeing your own fingers. Yeah. So between my two fingers, making a two. And then it, like, spiraled. <clears throat> you ever did this where... Maybe when you're a kid, when you look at your hand and you're like, "This is holy me. cow, yeah, this is me. Oh, this is me." Like I'm a, and you just <laughs> spiral into almost like insanity a little bit. You know, you ever get that? Oh, I remember. Yeah, that started at two years old. I remember. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to dig back into my memory because I remember thinking about this like like two years ago. I was thinking about I sort of remembered when I remembered being like, "Oh, I'm a person." Yeah. And I have autonomy in the world yeah. and I can do what I want to do. And there's going to be forces fighting against me, but I can get strong to where I can defeat those forces. Yeah. That's, Remember that, those thoughts? No, I like never had that. <laughs> no, I never had that thought. Well, here's what I, here's what I think. 
so my my nickname Jocko is a nickname, right? But it's a nickname I've had ever since I was born. So even before I was born, that was my nickname. Mm-hmm. What that what I think that did influence is that when I would meet this is back in the seventies, man. There was no weird names. Everyone has a weird name now, right? Yeah, yeah. Like legitimately, yeah, every kid is named like a weird name. Yeah, very. Yeah, my my kids all have weird names. Like it's just a, your kids have weird names, right? Mm-hmm. They're mediocre weird, I guess. Mm. It's not John, Bill, and Mike. It's That's not what I'm saying. And Jan. So back in the day, when I was going into you know first grade, second grade, kindergarten, you go out on the schoolyard, whatever. You're meeting Bill. You're meeting Frank. You're meeting David. And then there's this freaking kid whose name is Jocko, yeah. which is a to- which is a totally different it's type different. of name. Yeah. They don't know what it is. So I'm immediately like, you're going to get made fun of, kind of. You're going to be noticed a little bit. And what you have to do is you have to be able to. At a very young age, I had to be able to negotiate a little bit of awkwardness and maybe a little bit of teasing or maybe a little bit. I had to learn to negotiate that at a young age. And I think that made me comfortable interacting with people at a young age and thinking, oh, you know, oh, my name's Jocko. What kind of name is that? It's a dumb one, you know, but that's what my parents get. Whatever, like the little things. So I think that that. It, like the same as having the name Echo, kind of you have to, you have to learn how to negotiate having a strange name that you actually have to explain. Yeah. Every time, I probably had to explain my name to every person I met for the first ten years of my life. Did they? That makes sense. Same here. You oh, know what I'm saying? Still, even what now. kind of name is like Jocko? I, and again, I think nowadays. You know, you meet people named whatever. They're named, they got, everyone's got a weird name. You go to the kids' jiu-jitsu class, it's a bunch of weird named kids, mm-hmm. you know? Everyone's more <laughs> unique now, I guess. Sure. But legit, back in the day, it, you know, my, my wife's name is Helen. Her brother's name is John. Yeah. My sister's name is Jenny. Yeah. My other sister's name is Julie. You know, like, my yeah. dad's name is John. It's just, that's the way it is. Everyone just had normal names, and all of a sudden, boom, here's this weird kid named Jocko. Yeah, you gotta. I gotta explain that. I gotta be able to contend with it. People are gonna make fun of it. Yeah, did they? Did they ever make fun of you? Like, because Jocko is not a name. Just like my name is not a name that they're gonna be mean about it. What name would they be mean about? Um, if your last name was, I don't know, there was this, oh yeah, like hamburger could, or something. Yeah, you like, could get some bad last names. Yeah, yeah, especially last the last names. names. Yeah, there's yeah, certain Filipino last names. If you're not Filipino, they'll sound funny. Mm-hmm. Like there's one, um, Macadang Dang. That was one that I remember. Pretty common in Hawaii. Well, it, no, in the Philippines. If, in uh, Filipino, yes. And there's a lot of Filipinos yeah, in Hawaii, I mean. for sure. So but you had you had a number of friends whose last name no, was Macadang. Ju- just, well, this was elementary school. So uh, this was, okay. uh, and yeah, you're right. Later mm-hmm. on in high school, there's like, yeah, there was a bunch, bunch of people named yeah. Macadang. But the first girl that came in, she came from the Philippines, too. Mm-hmm. So she had a thick Filipino accent, and her last name was Macadang Dang. When you're kindergarten, first grade, second grade, that sounds funny. So they're going to be teasing it yeah. like it, it's an actual funny last name. Echo is like, oh, is there an echo in here? Oh, what's your name? Echo. What is it? Echo. What is it? Echo. You know, like that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But that's not mean. That's just like, oh, yeah. they're trying to be funny or whatever. So, yeah, you contend with that. Jocko doesn't seem like one they'd be that would be mean because it kind of sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah, then generally speaking, yeah, it was more of like curiosity or maybe make make a little joke. You know, I used to say people like, "What kind of name is that?" I'd be, I'd, I'd look at them with a straight face when I was, you know, eight years old. I go, "Oh, it's it's short for Jocularius." <laughs> <laughs> and we go, "It's short for Jocularius," and I would say it just deadpan. Yeah, and yeah. 
but yeah, that's yeah, a bit of a mouthful. No, so they just no, call me Jocko. Yeah. So, anyways, from a pragmatic perspective, I just wanted to say when you're naming a team, when you're naming a process, when you're nicknaming someone on your team, give them something that's gonna pump them up, is gonna build them up. And we have a terrible tradition in the SEAL teams. People have give give each other awful nicknames, mm. and luckily, team guys are pretty resilient. Yeah, generally speaking, especially so. when you know that's the gig. You know, it's kind of like you can the, the the pride you get of being able to take hit, like yeah. hits and stuff. It's like if that's part of the culture, it's kind of kind of changes things a little bit. Yeah. Um, usually, and actually, that's a good guidance though when you think about it, because usually a nickname doesn't happen that way. You know, where it's like nickname is like you, it just falls in place. <laughs> like, bro, if your head is big, you need to be nicknamed something along yeah. the lines of big head yeah. or something like that, right? Or heady or head first <laughs> or I don't know, whatever. And so you kind of incidentally become your nickname you know yeah. like they'll call big guys tiny or whatever yeah, but true. it's because they're already big it's not like i'm gonna mm-hmm. be like hmm, what should i i want to uh, make this guy um really inspired so i'm gonna call him tiny that's not how nicknames usually land you know just like you can't give yourself a nickname right the, it, that's like a rule right yeah. you can't just give yourself a yeah. nickname. like the most awesome guy in the yeah. world like that's my nickname whatever <laughs> and it's for that kind of for that reason you know you because you fall into your own nickname yeah, you can't you're not just allowed declare to self-designate it. nicknames yeah otherwise they want to have the cool have the coolest nicknames ever but if you have a choice right like let's give this kid usually right a nickname that kind of highlights his good side or his good attributes rather rather than one that's going to kind of tease his bad you know what we haven't gotten we haven't gotten the root source of the nickname tilt for john striker meyer i actually and i asked him it too and he kind of evaded a little bit (laughs) he was talking about (laughs) pinball like he said something to do with pinball or something because you know on the old school pinball machine like if you tilted the machine it would put tilt and you'd lose or whatever he alluded to something about that but man i want to know why tilt has the name uh, tilt we got to find that out yeah but full like full tilt right isn't that an expression full tilt like fucking when you go hard modern modern uh, i don't know if that's an old school i mean he was called that in nom yeah. So I don't know if they had full tilt back in the day. I don't know. Maybe they did. I don't know. Maybe. We got to find that one out. Uh, all right. You ever watch Seinfeld? I've watched it before. So yes. there's an episode where he uh, forgot to return his library book after like 20 years or mm-hmm. something like that. So he had this big fine. It wasn't mm-hmm. that much, but it was like, so he goes to, he's like, no, I re- returned that book. He goes, and then the guy handling the case, right? Mm-hmm. The, li- the the library non-return, mm-hmm. whatever penalty case, mm-hmm. his last name was Bookman. So go. they made it a thing. They were like, wait, the the investigator's name is Bookman? There He's you like, go. like, yeah, same deal. Yeah, nominative uh, determination, determinism, right there. Nominative determinism. Yeah, that's what it is, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. All right, let's get to some Q and A. Interesting. What do we got? Some good ones this this week. Sure. All right, first question. I'm 35 and recently rebuilding my life after divorce and addiction. After finding out about the path, I've lost a little over 80 pounds and I've been sober for two years. I'm working to solidify and rebuild my professional reputation at a new job I started this week. I'll be 36 in September and I'm seriously considered joining the Air National Guard. My primary primary motivator is to serve my country. Second is to set myself up for retirement. I've not been prudent in saving for the future due to my destructive decisions with substance abuse. And third is to grow and become a stronger leader as I've seen my colleagues do. I work for an Israeli tech company where almost everyone served in the IDF. IDF? Israeli Israeli Defense Defense Forces. Yes. 
and their disciplined leadership and physical fitness is noticeable, and I want that. I have about 40 more pounds to lose before I meet the weight requirements to join. Is there anything else I should consider here as a 35-year-old female potential potential Air National Guard member? How should I best prepare myself physically? I'm currently training jujitsu once a week. I'll switch to two to three times once my budget allows. And lifting, running five uh, five times weekly. All the best. What do I do? Okay. Well, first of all, that's awesome. Um, I kind of let that little awesome out when I just heard that you lost 80 pounds, you've been sober. Like, that's just very cool. I actually don't know a ton about the Air National Guard. I, I looked up a little bit about it. The, the boot camp is eight weeks long. It looks like, from what I saw, in a limited amount of of internet research. Do you, can you even call that research? You just call it a search, huh? There's no re in there. Just search. <laughs> I read a little bit about it. Uh, look like look like standard military stuff, right? Marching, shooting, um, obstacle course, running, that kind of stuff. The jobs in the Air National Guard definitely looked more um, technical in nature, so more mental that rather than physical. Uh, but it's still the military, and so there's still going to be military requirements. But what's interesting is. These are requirements for the military, but they're also requirements for life. Just being a lot, like you should be able to meet some minimal military requirements, whether you're in the military or not. There's some pretty good standards in there. Now, the the requirements, the military requirements here for this Air National Guard boot camp to get into it. Again, I just looked this stuff up on the internet. For, to get into it, you have to be able for females. You have to be able to run 1.5 miles in 21 minutes and 35 seconds. That is amazingly slow. You have to have a waist circumference of 35.5 inches. So there you go. That's what you need to do to be able to get in there. And again, you're asking how should you prepare yourself physically? I had to do a little research. Now, in order to graduate boot camp, you had to do a 1.5 mile run in 14 minutes and 26 seconds. Okay, so what's that? That's like a a little bit less than a 10 minute mile which is not fast at all. It's, I think I can pretty easily walk a 10 minute mile, right? No, but I understand. A fast walk. Well, you figure on a treadmill, if you go 10 minute mile, I'm not that's- I'm talking on, about a treadmill. Yeah, but they, tie, they have it by the numbers on the treadmill. I don't so think that's accurate. You don't? No. For real? For okay. real. I could have my wires crossed <laughs> then, but if I don't, this is how it goes. <laughs> 10 minute mile, you're on level six. Okay. Which is, if you go six, I can't walk that six. It does a jog. Okay. Unless you have, right. then again, I don't know. I never seen your walking technique. We'll, so say I could it's be not fa- we'll say it's not fast. It's not fast, no. So you have to be able to do in one minute, you have to be able to do 38 sit ups if you're 29 years old. And 20, so you fall, ma'am, into this category of you need to be able to do 29 sit-ups in one minute. This is, again, this is for life as a human, you definitely want to be able to do that and a lot more than that. You need to be able to, in one minute, you need to be able to do, for your age category, 14 push-ups. So this is something you should absolutely be doing. You should do push-ups every day. If you can't do 14 push-ups, you should do push-ups every single day and just as many as you can in seven sets or something like this. Like you just need to do push-ups. Your abdominal circumference 
uh, has to be less than 35.5 inches, like I said. Now, uh, honestly, a lot of these numbers are just on set. You don't want to you don't want to go through life with those kind of physical abilities. You want to ha- you want to step it up for sure. If you're failing that stuff, you are not physically. If you're barely passing that, you're not physically fit as you want to be. You you want to put more effort into your physical health. You are not going to be doing well when you're 60 if that's where your numbers are at. So you should work until you can kind of crush those numbers, not just for the Air National Guard, but for life. Um, so again, back to the question. Anything else you should consider before joining as a 35-year-old? I mean, look, just from a, I, I really like where your head's at. I think it's very cool. I think you're gonna get a lot out of it. So you know, make sure you can get time off from your job. Make sure that they're gonna keep you on board and all that stuff. Make sure that it doesn't interfere with your, it's gonna interfere. Make sure it doesn't over interfere with your civilian life, right? Um, and then how should you best prepare physically? You should run, you should lift, you should eat healthy, you should do calisthenics, you should stretch, you should work out, that's what you should do. Um, and look, you're obviously doing something, right? You've lost 80 pounds, you've been sober for two years, you're obviously doing something right. So that's awesome. Uh, Discipline Coach Freedom Field Manual has a bunch of workouts in there for beginners that are that are totally scalable. And that's a really cool place to start. And I've had plenty of people that have shown me the type of progress that they've made. So in terms of like, hey, here's just like a system, that's real easy. Discipline Coach Freedom Field Manual, you grab that, you do the beginner series in the back of the book and it will definitely be helpful. Um, and yeah, that's awesome. Very inspiring to see someone like you rebuilding their life and getting it on the path. All right, next question. Next question. Hi, Jocko and Echo. I am new to underground, Jocko Underground, subscriber, a 28-year-old woman and someone who has listened to around 95% of all Jocko podcasts. Missing that other five. The key points in that other 5%. You got to get those. She's missing them. All right. Can you give some more examples of, one, how you've asked questions to get someone to believe in believe an idea was their idea? And two, how to identify when you're unconsciously looking for credit in order to snub it out. <laughs> I'm learning how to spot my ego better and understand others, but this is new to me. So I often revert back to into wanting to get credit for my genius ideas. Sarcasm. And three, how did you teach SEALs to get over wanting credit for work and ideas? Thanks so much. All right. So number one, how you've asked questions to get someone to believe their idea was theirs. Okay. Uh, Echo, dude, you always nail it with these low angle shots out that camera. You see what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> um, dude, when you echo, whenever you shoot those low angle shots, it looks sick. Sure. Right? Yeah. Like, what, what's your angle? What are you picking? You start to pick up a little low. You're dropping down right now. Like, you're you're kind of lowering yourself. Uh, or like, dang, dude, you remember when you added those kettle drums to that one video? Man, that worked so good, man. That was that was awesome. Do you think would you would you use something like that here? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just like, um, God, you know, Echo, you, you know, when you said a while back that people like the robot videos, dude, you were. You are a hundred percent right, man. It's like you can read people's minds, man. That was awesome. People love that stuff. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm doing? Yes. These aren't actually. If you if you pay attention, none of those were questions. Those were all 
little statements. Af- statements affirming something that has happened to in the past to some level. Some It doesn't really matter how much of a level, mm-hmm. right? If I was like, dude, Echo, uh, dude, that t-shirt design is sick. That's the best t-shirt. And But if you kind of like got it from Carrie, what are you going to be like, actually, that was Carrie's design? There's a good chance you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, it does look sick. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, bad it's very possible. <laughs> but, but think about how many normal people, there's a little credit thrown out, and they're kind of like, let's say it was partially your idea, it was partially Carrie's idea. Maybe it was the majority Carrie's idea. Yeah. But I was like, dude, you you blew it out of the water with this this latest T-shirt design. That thing is sick. Mm-hmm. You might be like, yeah, you know, Carrie and I came up with it together, you know, but thanks. You know, you're kind of hyped on it. Yeah, we worked real hard yeah, on it. Yeah. We did. Um, so th- that's kind of part of it. Let me give you a, a real world example. I was at SEAL Team 1. I was a young enlisted guy. I wanted to teach a communications course for the radio men because they so that they could be more skilled. Well, there wasn't any kind of course that anyone was going through, so I wanted to teach the radio man a course, and I talked to the master chief at the time, and I said, hey, master chief, who I worked for in the training cell, I said, hey, I want to run a, like a communications course mm. with GIF. Remember when GIF was on? Sure. Me, this is GIF and me. We want to run a comms course. Sure. Master chief's like, we don't got time for that, man. Mm. Like, just came at us, right? I didn't push it at all. I was like, hey, roger that. I waited four months. And then I was like, man, Master Chief, these, and he was a, ra- he was a radio man too, like mm. when he was a young SEAL. The I Master Chief the was? The Master Chief was. So I had a little intel, mm. want to do a little ego massage here, want to make it his idea. So I was like, I was like, Master Chief, what's up? We, we were just out there with a the platoon out there in the desert, man. The radio men these days, I don't know what they're doing. And he's like, yeah, they're not, you know, because he's just going to pile on. He's like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they're doing. It's not like it used to be. <laughs> You know, I'm like, dang, really man, it'd be cool if there was some way to like teach guys, you know? Mm. He's like, you guys should run a course. <laughs> Whoa, that's a good, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah, like so, that's good. Hey, but you listen, you gotta be patient, but we ended up running that course. And as a matter of fact, we needed, and as stupid as this sound, this was in the 90s, we needed money for batteries for the radios. Mm. And the commanding officer like didn't want to spend that money because it was pretty expensive. Mm. You know, like ten grand or something worth of batteries, and there's a limited budget in the SEAL teams back in the day. Mm. It wasn't like once September 11th came and you're just throwing batteries away wantonly because <laughs> there's so much stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the master chief actually went to the commanding officer and like bullied him into getting a, like hey, this. Well, we need the best way to make we'll run this course, and he's just like mm-hmm. we got the batteries. Yeah. So there's an example. Yeah. Um, the other thing about this is. It, it sounds like you want to kind of trick people, mm. right? And and the examples I gave kind of are, like they seem like, and they kind of are tricking people. But if you can go a little bit deeper and a little bit harder in your brain to say, you know what, instead of me saying, hey, Master Chief, this is the, the what, hey, what do you think of this? How would you do this? If you can get yourself to say, you know, I bet the way, I bet the Master Chief has a legitimate way to solve this problem and focus more on the problem mm. than on what you think the solution should be mm. and open your mind and say, hey, Master Chief, God, these, these new, these guys that are new guys on the radio, they don't, they don't know what they're doing. Mm. 
And he might say, well, you know what? There's a course in the fleet that we could send them to and it wouldn't cost us anything. And be like, oh, that's a great idea. Let me go research that. He might say, you know what we need to do is we need to pull them in land warfare. We need to bring them out there three days early and put them through a quick course that doesn't cost anything because they're already going to be traveling. Oh, that's great. So mm-hmm. if you ask a, a legitimate, earnest question about the problem and you open your mind instead of predetermining what the solution is in your own brain because you think you know everything, mm-hmm. you're going to end up coming across way, because intent has a smell, you're going to come across as a person that's humble that actually is inquiring about the scenario. Mm-hmm. So a key point of questions is earnest questions. Because if you're doing little questions, little accusatory questions, or little setup questions, or leading questions, everybody knows it. You ask someone a leading question and they see where you're leading them, they get irate, right? You know what I'm saying? You know, when you're like, well, you know, you talk to your wife and you say, well, um, well, what's a good leading question for your wife? uh, hey, are you gonna put gas in the car? <laughs> My wife's always <laughs> mad, you know, like because if if she gets in the car, it doesn't have gas in it, because me mm-hmm. or one of the kids ran, ran it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, I do. You know, she sees that leading question, and she's gonna come at me, right? Yeah. Yep. So don't ask a leading question. Mm-hmm. Ask earnest questions, mm-hmm. and you're gonna do a lot better. So that's number one. That was question number one. Question number two. How to identify when you're unconsciously looking for credit in order to snub it out. Uh, Make it mandatory not to take credit for anything. That's what what we're gonna, just make it mandatory to say I'm not taking credit for anything. Anything goes right, I'm passing off the team. Any idea I come up with, I'm giving credit to Echo. I'm giving credit to Fred. I'm giving credit to Bill. I'm giving credit to Jessica. That's what I'm doing. So just make it a rule. So you say like, oh, I. Uh, I need to snub it out, then there's nothing to snub out. Just don't take credit. Um, it, it's like unconsciously looking for credit. Everybody can see that. It's not even unconscious, it's conscious. All the credit desires ego. All the credit desires ego. And here's the crazy thing. The crazy thing is, first of all, everyone can see it. Everyone can see it when you're looking for credit. And everyone can see it when you're not looking for credit. Everyone can see it. I'm gonna say that again because no one really pays attention to it. Hey, and sometimes they see it subconsciously. Like you're talking about unconsciously looking for credit. Other people unconsciously sense that you're looking for credit. But equally important, they unconsciously sense when you're not looking for credit and it elevates you in their mind. They think you're a better person because you are because you're not looking for credit. And this kind of ties into the last part of this question. How did you teach SEALs to get over wanting credit for work and ideas? First of all, make winning more important for, than credit. Make winning, make mission accomplishment, make task completion, make that more important than the credit. So pay attention to that. I would try to show people what looking for credit looked like. And try and explain to them the same thing I just said, that everyone can see it. What it looks like, hey, what does it look like to you when Fred over there is, look, you see what they're doing? Do you think they think you can see it? No. You can see it, can't you? Yes. Everyone can see it. You're not the only one. Everyone can see it. And when you do that, everyone can see it. You're not fooling anyone. You think you're smart because you think no one can see that you're making this little move to get your name in the right spot, every single 
person your new guys can see that self-awareness um so i did that i disparaged that attitude openly in a constructive way so i might be like hey like i might say to the young officers hey there's nothing worse than some officers looking to build his career and take credit from the platoon everyone sees it like i would disparage that what's crazy is i could say that to some, to a group of five guys later on that night one guy would would be sitting there trying to get credit for something mm. and i might be like bro <laughs> it didn't always work i but i'd say bro oh, I, and i might say something like oh 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 that was your idea huh and then they'd get all embarrassed because I called him out. And I'd say, I'd pull him aside and be like, hey, I called you out every single, I didn't need to call you out, everybody smelt you. Mm-hmm. You smelt like a credit-hungry savage. Would you uh, look at him like that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would look at him like that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that makes sense. Um, it's so strange. It's one of the worst afflictions of a human is to think that, y- that other people can't see. Yeah, like affliction, because it's real. It's a real thing, man. And it's not as easy to freaking avoid, too, because, man, it's like, I don't know, it's not conscious, you know? It just feels that way, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, we always talk about, like, name dropping, right? <laughs> when when other people name drop, so obvious, but when I do, people are going to be impressed with the fact that I know this other person, you know? It's so hard, dude. Oh, it's so man. hard for people to get through this. It's hard. It's hard, yeah. Um, but that's something you should be working on. And that's what I would do. I would constantly disparage that attitude in front of people, in front of a group. You know, I wouldn't be like, Echo, you're taking, no, I'd be like, hey guys, don't be that officer that's out there looking for credit, everyone can see it. Yeah. And then five hours later, after that part of the op goes well, and Echo's like, yeah, actually I made that call over there. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, do, oh, okay, hey everyone. <laughs> everyone hear that? Echo made that call, and all of a sudden you realize how stupid you look. Yeah. And then you might get pissed at me, you're looking at me kind of mad. Yeah. And I walk up to you after and I go, hey, you're welcome. What do you mean? You're calling me out. No, I, I'm, I'm actually letting you know yeah. that every single person in the room thought the same thing I did. Yeah. Your fire team did a great job. And instead of you saying, hey, the fire team did a great job, you wanted to make sure that we all know that you made the call. And you look petty and you look insecure and don't do it. Yeah, that's uh and so, it would take iterations of that. Like, no one would learn it first try. Yeah. They still think they no one can see. I, I know. Like, I got caught that time, but I'll get away with it. Like, like the first time you do jujitsu with someone, and they get they, you arm lock them, and they're like, oh, you'll never get that again. Mm-hmm. And you get them again. They don't realize how obvious it is. Yes. How that's stupid true. they are. Like, genuinely, though. So and Genuinely stupid. Genuinely stupid, yes. But it's, Did you catch is, me in a bad mood today? I, I, I feel know. hostile. I, I'm starting to, to <laughs> gather something along those lines. No, but like even like the name dropping thing or whatever, it's like hard. It's hard. It's like a little brain like glitch or something. It's like that thing, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, yeah. okay, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And then you do it. It's like losing your temper. You're like, I'm not going to lose my temper. And then like you find God, yourself in so the ch- situation that lose your temper. You know, it's like, it, it's like yeah. you almost can't help and it And you think it's like this, this, this is the opportunity. Like I got to say it. Yeah, that's, that's how no, it feels. No one knows going to, I did a good job. Yeah, no yeah. one's going to know I did a good job. I got to say it. You know, that, that was actually my call with the fire team. Yeah. Oh, okay, Echo Charles. Everyone hear that? So you, that that <laughs> little thing, my friend, actually my little brother did to me one time, but it was with name dropping. Uh, so, okay, oh. so this you're going to like this because it, it, it was so unnecessary, but like, I'm trying to think why did I even do this? It was maybe, 
Insecure. I don't know. Unnecessary but name, name dropping. dropping. Yes. Course 101. Oh, yeah. This is like 100. Right, not go. even 101. So it was Christmas, and it was when I kind of first, it was like within the first, I think, year of jujitsu, right? Uh-huh. Where, um, So I remember when I was a beginner, you know, Nogi is like be- yeah. novice beginner. Yeah. And Dean would come and coach. This was back in the day when mm-hmm. our team was like kind of small or whatever. So Dean was like the main coach. He always always be coaching me up, and he gave me like my blue belt, you mm-hmm. know, after like. And I was like, yeah. So I ended up kind of being friends with Dean, but he was, to me he was still a full on famous person. And mm-hmm. I'm like, fucking fuck yeah, Dean Lister, you know, that's my mm-hmm. that's my bro. You know, I'd name and drop him all the time. <laughs> when he'd come by the club, he'd like come say hi, be looking around like, fuck yeah, Dean Lister, like we know each other, whatever. So anyway. I'm at my friend's kind of Christmas party, right? It was me, my younger brother, um, big, big sexy was there, uh, Terry. And then, um, <laughs> so, you know, you get all the texts from your friends. Well, Merry Christmas, bro, you know? Yeah. And then. Not, um, not really, but <laughs> all good. <laughs> Some of us do. <laughs> anyway, so so Dean texts me. He's like, hey, Merry Christmas, bro. Let's, you know, let's train more and let's, let's whatever, whatever. Give me some inspirational words, right? So I'm like, I'm like so happy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, bro. This is Dean Lister. That's right. Yeah. And um and I'm like laughing and my brother's like hey, what are you laughing at? He goes, I was like no no and I think I said something along these exact words. I said oh no my friend Dean Lister you know he's just texting me Merry <laughs> Christmas you know and it's like and I kind of went into like a long thing you yeah. know like a th- and then <laughs> but I kind of look up and my little brother my friend Terry and there's some other people there where they're looking at me like bro, did you just fucking like name drop that hardcore? Like almost smiling, but kind of embarrassed for me, you yeah. know, like that kind. <laughs> they were quiet. And then my brother goes, yeah, bro, you know, Tom Cruise, he likes to text me too. And they like fully called me out. And I was like, yeah. oh man, that was brutal. But I always reference that feeling though. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, yeah. you know, it kind of, it, it can kind of help you refrain from doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. Cause if that's you real. If you given me 100 guesses of who the famous person you name dropped was, I would not have guessed Dean Lister. Bro, I'm telling you. But, what, but then I, as soon as you said, I was like, oh yeah, cause this is back. He was like fighting in the UFC. He was, yep. yeah. He was the most famous person that I knew personally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he was, he wasn't just like some random, you know, no offense to actors or nothing, but he's not just some random actor. He's a freaking pride, fights in pride. Fights in um, UFC. UFC, ADCC, like basically yeah. like, yeah, he was Especially like Especially in our world, he was 100% famous. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All right. So there you go. Um, good stuff. Be self-aware. Yep. That's my true. That's but my don't you think that 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 wanting credit though, because there's kind of two levels to that, mm-hmm. yeah? And this is coming from someone who, who has admittedly been in this situation where yep. it's like shit. I wanna, I want that credit because I want them to like respect the job that I do. Yeah. You know, kind you know, of a thing. You know, it's a good little thing to remember in those scenarios. Uh, if you walked in here and the place was all the 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 studio was all cool and there was a new new set of chairs and they were all squared away and everything was clean and um, the soundproof door had. You know, had been squeaking and now it was not squeaking anymore. Yeah. And you just came in, you're like, oh, everything's squared away. And I was like, hey, so we sat down, we recorded. And then afterwards, you were like, you walk by Joe and you go, hey, Joe, thanks for getting the, thanks for getting the, the podcast room squared away. And he goes, oh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't me, it was Jocko. He did it this weekend. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah. What would your, your, I would get 10 times the credit. Yeah. 10 yeah. times the credit. And that's a scientifically, yeah, yeah, number. <laughs> As opposed to if you walked in, yeah, hey, I spent the whole weekend getting everything squared yeah. away in here. You get one tenth. You get one tenth. Yeah. yeah. So it's good to remember that you're going to get the ultra 
powerful boost if you keep your freaking mouth shut and don't look for credit. It feels like, uh, which can be the case every once in a while, though. It feels like if I don't get the credit, then my work will go unnoticed and I won't get like, it's almost like the overall respect for my duties almost, you know, like, so again, there's two different levels because let's say you're kind of insecure in your job, you're new, or maybe mm-hmm. you're just struggling to make your way and you want to, you know, you, you want to make sure that your performance counts in the eyes of your superiors, we'll say. And you come up with these great ideas and then you're like, oh yeah, that was Jim. You know, props to Jim for coming up with that or whatever. But meanwhile, like you're kind of trying to make your way. You want your superiors to understand that like, hey man, I'm, I'm doing good work, you know, to, to create opportunity kind of yeah. for yourself, you know, in a good way. Uh, of course, you're looking out for the team or whatever, but at the same time. But you're looking out for yourself. Yes. Yeah, you are. But it feels insecure because it's like, shit, what if I miss that opportunity yeah. for them to understand that I'm doing good work? You yeah. see what I'm saying? So no, it's like you can't get properly evaluated almost. That's the feeling. You, you got to have a level of faith in the truth and in the long-term outcomes of things. God, you're so right with that. <laughs> like, and that's the perfect way to say it. Like, you have to have faith in the long term. In the long yeah. term, like, because it's like eating, right? You know how, like, I don't know, like, I don't know. You have a treat in your house, and it's usually not there. It's like I don't want to just go. You know, the treat's not normally not here. I got to eat it while it's still here, kind of a thing. Otherwise, it's gone and oh, I missed yeah, out, yeah, kind yeah. of a thing. But the thing is, with taking credit. You won't miss out if you keep if you can consi- you consistently pay, paint a picture of being the humble guy, not taking credit, all this other stuff, and then have faith in that outcome. Mm-hmm. So true, but in the time it's like you're in survival. Everybody mode, you just know. wants that. I need it. I need to be truth. recognized because I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm a good worker. I'm a good worker. I just want people to know. You Think know? about the 10x bonus you're gonna get when you yeah. keep your freaking mouth shut yeah. and don't say anything, and they find out that you did it, and everyone goes, "Damn." And then, and then there's the second level, which is way easier to recognize and way easier to avoid if you don't have a massive insecure ego, which is like, I just want to look good. You know, it's like you don't even you don't even it's unnecessary. Like you're already the boss, but mm-hmm. I want everyone to just oh, well, that's respect just, that's, that's me, you know, but yeah. you get that a lot, too. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. I for think sure. I've seen it in my job, old jobs, whatever. Check. All right. Next question. Next question. Jocko, I'm a second-year student at the Naval Academy, and I've been experiencing some friction with my professor. The main point of contention is that I like to work on schoolwork for the other classes on my laptop during one of my professor's lectures. I do this because it allows me to get ahead and free up time to study later in the day, and I can learn the material from the lectures on my own in less time than it takes for him to teach it. The professor has no computer policy. Oh, has a can't say my professor. My professor has a no computer policy in the classroom and has had to tell me to put put it away multiple times. I understand that he wants to uphold the standard of for the classroom, but I feel like I was I'm wasting valuable time due to the inefficiency of the lectures. My question is: Should I try to make a case for myself to be able to use my computer in class, or do I accept the rules? Uh, <clears throat> do I answer this in one immediate sentence or do we explore a little bit? I guess we can explore a little bit. Uh, the bottom line, the, co- the correct thing here is you go, all right, roger that professor. Sorry, you shut your laptop and you start paying attention. Um, any, when you say you wanna make a case, first of all, like what is the leadership capital cost of making a case to your professor that his inefficient way of teaching is so lame 
that you don't even need it and you'd rather just work on something else and you can save so much time by not having to listen to his dumbass, right? <laughs> That's just sure. a horrible way to go. Yeah. Form a good relationship with your professor. Do awesome in the class. Maybe if it's that heinous, you could find some studying that you can do without a computer. I even think that's a bad idea, but you know, you could go in there with some notes and study some stuff. I even think that's a bad idea, right? I would concentrate on building an awesome relationship. And at some point, maybe do you say, hey, can I, like, I doubt it. I, I don't think it's worth it. You, you look, you're gonna have to study an extra hour outside of class, do it, study an extra hour. You're gonna work for people like this your entire career in the Navy. At least some of them are gonna be like this. They're gonna make up little rules. And if you sit there and every rule that comes your way, you look, you say, I, I know a more efficient way of doing this. You're gonna, your entire life will be spent debating rules that don't matter. We, um, what do you call the things that ha- that go on sunglasses that keep them on your head, like croakies? Uh, what, the little strap? The little yeah. strap, right? What do you call that? A sunglasses strap? strap. Lanyard? Um, retainer? Something like this? Mm-hmm. The same Master Chief I was talking about earlier? Mm-hmm. He didn't like those. You know, so I'm a new guy at SEAL Team One. He didn't like the strap. Didn't like you did you? They weren't a uniform. They weren't part of a uniform, so it didn't matter. You weren't allowed to have those, right? Mm. Uh, to give it one of the best assessments of this rule was one of my platoon chiefs one time said, uh, "Wearing glasses without a strap is like." wearing a watch without a watch band. It doesn't make any sense, which is a great way of looking at it, right? It's a little extreme, because I guess the, the, your ears hold on your sunglasses to an extent, right? And your nose. And your nose, to in an fa- extent. In fact, the, I mean, no disrespect to that awesome analogy, but it's actually not a good analogy, because you, like, you can't wear a watch without a band at all. It falls off. But if you're doing any kind of activity, and you got sunglasses on. It should on, have been a surfboard. It's like where it's like surfing without a leash. But we all surf. Well, a lot of us surf without leashes. A lot of us wear glasses without that lanyard thing. In fact, I don't think I've ever worn the strap. Sorry about the analogy. It's okay. just my opinion. Okay. Here's the bottom line on that. Regardless of that, what I thought was a good analogy. Mm-hmm. Guess what? We didn't wear them. That was the rule. We just followed the rule. Mm-hmm. What are we going to debate with this guy? No. Build a good relationship. That should be your focus. Build a good relationship with this professor. And. But the master chief that I'm talking about, I've talked about him on the podcast before. He, he was a, a mentor and he looked out for us. He looked out for us. He carried a lot of weight in the community and he looked out for me. He looked out for my group of friends. And we, why? Because we built a great, good relationship. Well, how do we build a good relationship? By kissing his ass? No, by like, hey, here's a rule, cool, we'll follow your rule. Oh, you want us, you need, got hard work to get done? We'll go get it done. Like that's, it's not like we built a good relationship by saying, hey, Master Chief, here's an apple for lunch. You know, like, no. Performance, working our asses off, following the little things that he was, uh, oh, you want us, okay, what else we weren't allowed to, oh yeah, he didn't like visors. Like, you know what a visor is? Like a hat without a top? (laughs) He didn't like those. Why? Did he say why? I don't know, bro, and it doesn't matter. (laughs) You know? 
Actually, one of my best friends, we got to the team and he went out to do, we, we, we went out for the SEAL Team 1 Coronado run, which was like an eight mile run. And we all line up to start the run. Mm-hmm. And we're new guys. And my buddy comes out and he's wearing a green like visor. I don't know what he always wore a visor. He, to this day, he wears a visor. I don't know. He's but down for the visor oh, cause, right? He comes out with that visor on, and this master chief is like, uh, "You want to wear that visor? I'll send you back to the fucking fleet." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Holy Damn. shit!" Um, so, like, okay, we're not wearing visors, right? No. But this not. is the thing. That's what we're doing. We're building relationships now. Just on another note, you're you're super excited here about a petty thing that doesn't matter, right? Mm. This is bad. This is a bad sign. You're also you're also willing to like have friction with the professor over something that doesn't my my main point of contention is I like see like this whole this attitude we we're not gonna like that attitude. That's not gonna that's not gonna go well, mm-hmm. right? We want to open our mind. We want to use other people's ideas whenever possible. I want to follow other people. I want to follow other people's uh, rules when possible. Because otherwise, you're just wasting, expending leadership capital. And this, this this does apply, by the way, to the fleet. This applies to when you're in charge. This applies to when you have troops working for you. When you can say, hey, troops, how do you want to do this? And they say, we think we should do it like this. Your default should say, say, sounds good. Mm-hmm. Not, well, I actually have a more efficient way that I'd like you to, guys to do it this way. That actually sucks. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that sucks when you're doing it down the chain of command. Pay attention to what I'm saying. It sucks to impose things down the chain of command because you think that they're more efficient, more effective. Now listen, if it's at 80% inefficiency, cool. Ask some earnest questions. The team will figure out a better way. But if you're thinking that this is the way to lead up the chain of command and the things you should be concerned about, it's not a good start. We're trying to support other people, not support ourselves. So that's what I would do. I would build a relationship. I wouldn't worry about this. And I would take this as a lesson that you use for the rest of your life about what's important and what's not, and not getting caught up on stupid things. And if right now you thought, you know what, I used to like Jocko, but he just said what I said was stupid, and it does, I'm, I'm kind of like, Jocko's not really gonna be a go-to guy for me anymore. Mm. That's actually reinforcing that you are the type of person that's gonna suck. Mm. <laughs> if you go, oh man, he's right, I'm getting, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful, moment of self-awareness for you to start moving in a direction where you're gonna be in a leadership position and people are gonna like working for you and they're going to respect what you have to say when you seldomly say it because what you say makes sense. Not, oh, here comes jackass again to impose his stupid rules on us. Mm. So think about where you're at. This is a pivotal moment, a pivotal moment to open your mind, to be humble, to listen to other people, to follow some rules and build some good leadership capital and build good relationship. That's what's gonna be much better for you, for the people above you, and the people below you in the chain of command. Makes sense. (laughs) And that's not even to mention how you kind of Come off. Oh, that's well. I mean, I thought I mentioned that plenty clear. Like that's how you're going to come off. Go yeah. listen to the Jocko podcast where we cover for four or five podcasts the psychology of military incompetence. 
just just go listen to it because the the military attracts some people that want to be in control they want to have that rank they want to be listened to and it's they actually can do well with that attitude in an administrative environment they're not liked by anybody but they're able to they're able to i shouldn't say do well they're able to move up the chain of command systematically because they enforce rules they 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 impose things on people and and they don't really care what anybody thinks of them and in combat they're a disaster in pressure situations they're a disaster so go review that and make sure that you don't fall into that authoritarian mindset the closed mindset which is okay for military life in a in a administrative situation but it's not good for combat and it's not good as an actual leader yeah or like a when and when I say I like how you come off I mean like in this very specific way where like yeah you know the expression of Karen right yeah okay so they can you know the whole reason that that exists is because of this where it's like all right I'm gonna use this guy as an example I didn't want to because I didn't want to come off like I'm totally judging him uh-huh. or nothing like this um but if it's like <laughs> hey <laughs> <laughs> if he's like, oh, I understand you have like a rule for your classroom, yep. but this rule shouldn't apply to me. Yep. But, and yep. I'll tell you why. Because if I can, when I break your rule, the only one, by the way, it, when I break your rule, it'll free up time for myself. You know, like it basically benefits me in my own personal way if, yep. I can, if, I, if this rule doesn't apply to me. So therefore, I'm going to take it upon myself to just disregard your rule. I don't yep. care how long you've had it. I don't care that it applies to literally everybody. And it's probably for a reason you made the rule. It doesn't matter. It doesn't apply to me because it's better for me yep. to not follow um, it. Just in keeping with your statement, I am a second year student. I have been experiences. I like to work the schoolwork. My laptop, I do this because it allows me to get ahead and free up my time to study later in the day and I can learn the material. And from my own, in, in, in less time, I understand that he wants it, but I feel like I'm, you see what I'm saying? Yes, exactly right. That's a really, that's a really, that's a real. That's that's not what we're doing, right? No. And listen, I get you. You're asking a question about yourself. Obviously, you have to use the word "I." You have to say "me." You have to explain your situation. But I'm just saying, read that in that tone, and you. I put a little stank on it, right? Yes. And of course, I'm exaggerating. Stink. You know, we. I can pick up. I can do the same thing with any of my books, right? You know, I'm. Uh, if I pull out leadership strategy and tactics, and I give him the same treatment, you know, uh, uh, I stood there like the rest of the platoon scanning for targets. I waited for a call. I waited a little. So, you know, I can do it. I get it. I get that you're telling a story, but be careful of that perception. And you know, you said judging. I'm actually I'm actually super happy that this guy is asking this question. Because it is such an opportunity for him to have a or he or she, I don't know if there's a male or female, he or she to have a moment of real learning, real learning. Real leadership learning. Which is hard to find these moments where you go, oh man, I didn't see it like that. My perspective has changed. So I'm glad there's people that ask this question where they're not asking the question. They're saying, oh, this is, I'm obviously right. What should I do about this professor? See, at least this individual wrote, do I accept, you know, he's asking a legit question, like an earnest question. Hey, should I try and make a case for myself? Or should I accept that rules are rules? That's yeah, that's the question. Yeah, yeah. The, well, the question wasn't how do I get this 
lame professor. Yeah, so true. I think we have a nice pivot moment. I think it's a lesson learned. Hopefully the rest of the, 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 the Naval Academy cadets, is that the right word? No, cadets is, cadets is a midshipman. Sorry, hey, sorry, midshipman. Cadets is army, sorry, sure. midshipman. My apologies. Hopefully the rest of the midshipmen can hear this and learn a lesson. Oh, I'm trying to build relationships. I'm trying to build leadership capital. How much leadership capital are you expending when you're like, hey, professor, I think I should. Like, just like you said, I'm different. I should have different rules. Don't do that. Yeah, it it, it really um, comes off as just the general response. Well, those rules don't work for me. Yeah, 100%. So that, and that's what the Karens do, right? That's what it's all about. Like, yeah. um, you know, like... They, they they just want the policy to be different for them, you know, because they don't they don't know they don't like it for their own personal yeah. reasons. And it also should be different for everyone around them in that supports their way of thinking. Right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Got to watch out. Don't be a Karen. Don't be a Karen. All right. Next question. Next question. Jocko Echo. Hello. I am a Jocko Blue Belt. By the way, at camp there was Jocko Brown Belts. Yeah. Which so, is awesome, right? Yeah. So let's clarify though, because th- you, we do run this risk of saying, okay, a Jocko Blue Belt. So I'm. A Jocko Willink black belt, I'd say, because uh, I'm under you in yeah, D-Lister, yeah. right? In lineage. Yes, that's actual lineage. A Jocko I blue belt. I told my family at camp that jiu-jitsu lineage was more important than blood. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Okay. Wait, when did you tell them this? At dinner? Like at dinner. <laughs> yeah. Right, you can say some random stuff at dinner, I get bro. random. Okay, so a Jocko blue belt doesn't necessarily mean that they're under my lineage. Yep, it's a very specific expression. Right, right. And this means that they joined jiu-jitsu. The, the, the primary right. influential factor was because of you. Yep. Um, a lot of other people also claim Joe Rogan as well Yep. in there, in that thing. But a yep. lot of time they say Jocko blue belt when you were kind of the, the main influential factor. Right, right. Okay, that being said, mm-hmm. I'm a Jocko blue belt. I started training jiu-jitsu two years ago because of your podcast and the path you always talk about. All in all, I started down the path in 2017. I've always been into lifting and fitness. But with the addition of the other elements of the path, I've also lost close to 60 pounds since January 2021. Lately, when rolling, I have noticed that I can't seem to finish Americanas anymore, and I used to be able to finish them all the time. Any suggestions? Also, my biggest problem when rolling is burning my gas tank. How do I not do this? I watch purple belts and upper belts roll and it always looks so calm and smooth, but when I try to do that, it never seems to work. Any advice is much appreciated. Thanks for everything. Uh, much appreciated. This is the journey, man. The like journey. this is just yeah. full on. This yeah. is a chapter from the jujitsu book, right? Everyone has this chapter. Everyone has this journal entry. Oh yeah, when they're you on know, their path. On their yeah, path. Yeah. Yeah, everyone has a journal entry like, <laughs> oh, true. you know, uh, I can't, the Americana's not working anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, Americana's, are not the most effective submission, especially when you're training against people that other people that know jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, you've got to figure out what your next move is going to be, right? So, Americanas are relatively easy to, to. And look, you could have some technical problem with your Americana. That's cool. Maybe you're not keeping the the back of the hand on the mat. Maybe you're not pulling it down towards their knee. Try those things, right? That's probably it. Could be it. If you don't, if you don't move that whole, that whole. Tanglement of arms down towards their waist Then it's not very effective So it could be that ask your instructor say hey, I'm having trouble finishing But see the thing is he was finishing it before and now he's not finishing it So get the have your instructor go through it with you figure out if you're actually doing it, right? It could also be that people now know the defense 
and there's a couple defenses that are pretty straightforward and they kind of defeat the Americana. I still occasionally, once a year, I'll hit a Americana on like a black belt, you know, maybe once a year. You? Yes, and so the last time I did Americana was against a black belt, yes. Okay, so, it, it but it's, how long ago was it? No, that was like, yeah, like uh, two years ago. Yeah, probably. so maybe a year, once a year, you'll get the Americana on somebody, you'll just have some really good position or you'll end up in a spot. So what you need to do is figure out what your next move is and then actually what the next two, three, four moves are. The chain of moves that sets up an actual submission happening. So look, I, I didn't get the triangle. I didn't get the sweep, I got the arm lock. I didn't get the arm lock, I didn't get the sweep, I got the triangle. Like the, all yeah. that's the way jujitsu is. It's chain wrestling, chain jujitsu. So figure out what your next moves are going to be. And as far as the gas goes, as far as the gas goes, two things, keep training. Um, and your cardio will improve, but that is not the biggest problem that you have. The biggest problem that you have right now is you're not relaxed. Mm. And so you need to relax, and you can't relax when your technique isn't there, because you gotta fight. Look, when you don't have good technique, it, you have to fight just to hold someone in position. When you don't have good technique, you have to fight to open their guard with a lot of strength. You have to fight to pass their guard with a lot of strength, and as you do that, you're burning up gas. So the answer is to keep training. Relax and keep training. Relax and keep training. And it sucks because your ego, you know, echo gets, uh, whenever you get a good position on me, you're like, oh, I saw a sense of urgency. That means I'm using strength, right? I'm using, I'm, I'm using strength and I'm gonna tapping into my gas tank. Mm -hmm. If you're not in a good position and I'm cruising, you're using strength, I'm not. So, what what happens when you get in a good position? I don't like it. My ego gets, I freaking panic a little bit. I freaking go hard and get you off me. Was that good training? Well, it might save me from that position, but what technique am I missing where I don't have to use my strength? And if I can put my ego in check enough to be like, okay, you know what, he technically passed my guard. I don't wanna freak out and use a bunch of strength, so I'm gonna start working on replacing the guard instead of being like, oh, I'm just gonna push him off me. Mm-hmm. And what do I do? Push you off me, you know? Like the ego comes out and you say, you know what, I'm gonna have to use strength here for a couple seconds. Mm -hmm. There is some form of realism because even if you're going against, if you're going against someone, they're gonna use strength, right? You have, you have to use what you have. Mm -hmm. But relax, keep training, cardio will come around. Yep, and that's, re that's so real where it, like you're not relaxed. Um, so when you're not relaxed, and this is just more of like a physical thing regardless, like even if you, let's say you have a weightlifting, I was talking to somebody, they had a weightlifting background. So breathing, when you're lifting weight, especially heavy, the breathing technique is different than when you're rolling jujitsu. Oh. <laughs> so if you're used to br doing brace, you know, there's, there's yeah. techniques, breathing technique called brace and all this stuff. So if you do that kind of stuff in jujitsu, when you try to bump somebody off of you, you just held your breath while you're doing jujitsu yeah. in the middle of a round or a yeah. match or whatever. And by the way, the first thing didn't work, so you have to do it again and you brace again yep. and now all of a sudden it's been four or five seconds and now it's been seven seconds, you haven't taken a breath. Oh my gosh, you're so correct with that because and then there's that added issue where if you try something and it fails, that diminishes your psychological like capacity. It's weird, it's a weird thing. If you panic and it works, you can recover from that. Mm -hmm. It's like mentally you can recover oh, from it. 100%, dude. So, so 100%. If I brace, breathe, meaning I hold my breath in a panic, cuz in jiu-jitsu no matter what you're doing, like if you never on purpose hold your breath in jiu-jitsu pretty much ever. Mm -hmm. Like 
can be in a guillotine or something. I don't know, maybe. But even then, hopefully not. But you panic. You go to your kind of your your instinct, right, so to speak. You brace. You bridge the guy off. It fails. Now you're like double in the hole gas-wise because you held your breath. You panicked and you lost. You lost. You didn't win the position, mm-hmm. so you lost the confrontation. Then you do it again. Boom! Now you're triple, quadruple in the hole, yeah. and then you're ga- you're uh, you're all of a sudden gassed right now. And then you got a tap, cardio tap. Right? Oh, <laughs> <It's> old school. <laughs> oh no, bro! I'm telling you, I didn't. I've never even heard that before. Cardio tap. Cardio tap. That's what I've it's called. had it happen to people I was training with. Oh well, yeah, that before a lot. Of, I didn't even say. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. So this is a it. This could be a version of cardio tapping, but so I would get that, especially with you. So it's almost like I let too many thoughts in, and this is what it was. So your side mount is uncannily <laughs> brutal, we'll say, just to be in it, you know. And if I'm like, full, like if you if you start in yep. side mount, you're, no you're problem. Yep. Yeah. If or if four you, minutes deep into the round after a, after a scramble, mm-hmm. and you wind up in side mount with that pressure, it. The, the psychological onslaught that comes with that is like, especially if I'm like maybe a little heavier, maybe not in that good a shape or I haven't rolled with you in a long time or whatever, like that psychological onslaught is unbearable. So <laughs> I just either, made me write something down. So, I haven't done that for a while. So I either got to like give it all I got to get out of there or whatever. Um, or it's a cardio or, tap. Yeah, because if I'm under there. Because you can't really catch your breath that good with you on. I don't know if you're doing something specifically to make the person like that. But so your recovery in bottom side <laughs> mount, which it's weird because there's guys bigger than you who are, you know, just as experienced or, or comparable. And their side mount, you can sort of get in like a little position mm-hmm. and be like, okay, I'm in a bad position, but give me like 15 seconds down here. I'll be kind of good to go. Yours is like. <laughs> That's 15 seconds. It's like, bro, 15 seconds, and I'm still like, I think I'm going to die right now. Morongo said, he said, uh, when you get across the side, only thing I can move is my eyes. <laughs> and he like shifted his eyes left to right. Bro, it was so he's funny. Right. He's right. And so consider that where it's like, it's put it this way, and the best way I can um, describe it is, is claustrophobia, extreme claustrophobia, where not only is my, I'm like trying to breathe or whatever, but my heart rate is like increasing now. So good because of the, the psychological panic or whatever, given that whole chain of fail, failed events that mm-hmm. I tried. So I tapped to that. <laughs> so is that a cardio tap? There's more to it than just a cardio yeah. tap. So when Check. I was a white belt and I didn't know it was, it was like a violation. That's why. So remember Ron, right? Ron Pizarro. What do you look like? Um, big, I think he's maybe from like a Guam dude, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. Um, but big, yeah, big dude. Jacked. So yeah, yeah. And we started, he started maybe a few months before me. So this is back in the day, mm-hmm. Dean Lister's little studio, the half studio. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we're white belts. We're just spazzing the whole time. And then I guess, and he winds up on top and I tap. I'm like, bro, cause I can't move. Simply can't move. Cardio tap. Did Boom. Dean, I, did Dean call you out? No, no, this Dean, I don't think Dean's ever seen it. I'm sure whoever saw it was like, I didn't know it was a violation. He mm-hmm. told me a violation like years later when he was like, oh, yeah, I remember we used to roll and used to cardio tap all the time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I did. It's true because I just felt like, shit, I'm so gassed right now. Like I can't really roll anymore. I don't think I've ever cardio tapped in my whole life. No shit. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I mean, I would go out on a limb right now and say I have never cardio tapped. Yeah. I mean, I guess you get to a point where you just can't do anything anymore and, and you're gassed yeah. and you're getting tapped very shortly thereafter. Yeah. Yeah. But but I I will say, though, there's been times where I've been getting tortured and just didn't tap. 
because there was no submission, and I'm just not going to tap because I'm just like yeah. in suffering. But I, rem- but you're different, I think. And I don't like it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm down there, just like. Yeah, I watched you, and I told you this before, where you and Dean were just just hammering each other, and he was just like a half a step, one step ahead of you, mm-hmm. and he was jamming you up, bro. Mm-hmm. I was like, dang, Rock was getting jammed up. But he and he wound up after like two scrambles in a row. He wound up Mount Double Snow Angel. Oh Jesus! And you were like, and I was like having panic attacks, like just watching it because yeah. like how your arms were or whatever. And I was like, I'm, I feel the claustrophobia. Like literally, I wasn't panicking obviously, mm-hmm. but I had an, an element of feeling of claustrophobia. I'm like, I don't know how Jocko can. And he had you in there for a long oh, time. Oh yeah, like a like, minute and a half. But it could be twenty minutes. I've been in those shitty positions for twenty minutes before, bro. And you just didn't die. And then when you came up, you were just like, you were angry, but you weren't like, oh, whew, I'm out of there. You were just like sort of angry Just and frustrated calm. at my own self yeah. for letting this happen. Real uneventful. Double but snow angel. Yeah, that's You brutal. don't want none of that, dude. Here's the thing. I, and I actually don't mind double snow angel if I'm not gassed. But if that yeah. scramble that you guys did. You know the cobra choke? Yeah. Like if I put a cobra choke on you yeah. in the first 20 seconds of a round, yeah. you would not tap. Yeah. Handle. Four minutes into it, seven minutes into it, yeah. it's game over. Yeah, or after a scramble. Yeah, or after a big scramble. Yeah, it's hard. It's <laughs> real. It's real. But uh, the thing know. I wrote down was, I'm always telling everyone to keep an open mind, keep an open mind, keep an open mind. Right? You want to let open your mind to ideas, but th- that's like a situation where you describe like, oh, too many things are coming into your head. Yeah. And I'm like, that's actually an accurate statement. Like, there's too much. You just too much too much pain ahead and yeah. you can see it and it's yeah. all entering your brain and you see no way out and you yeah. just go, I'm done. Yes, and that's God, a perfect yeah, way to put it. You see no way out. Yeah. Like not even like, oh, let me just weather this storm. Like the storm is gaining ground on you. You can't weather it. It's getting worse and worse as time goes on. It's not like the storm's calming down, like I can breathe in. You know, when, you, when you're when you not, you can do a scramble as long as you don't panic. Yeah. You can feel your breathing kind of recovering yourself, you know, even if it takes like a minute. You can feel your breathing recover, but if you're panicked, you can't. And then if you have pressure like Jocko, which induces the panic, it's like a, what do you call it, positive feedback yeah. loop. What's nice is in jujitsu, you're going to learn to like contend with that over time. Like even yeah. you, you don't, you don't oh, yeah. tap from uh, claustrophobia anymore. Rarely. I don't think you've tapped into claustrophobia in a long time. Yeah. And, and I feel like once I beat it, I more or less beat yeah. it. I mean, look, you could, it's, and I found this where it's that panic thing and it's not panic like, Oh, I don't know what to do. I'm panicking. It's more, you get emotionally involved in the, in the role. You know, like how um, you said sense of urgency. Hmm. Like if you were like, if it starts to mean something like, I'll tell you this recently, actually rolling with a guy, he's a white, he's a straight white belt, but he's one of these guys who just never like stops moving and he never taps mm-hmm. and he's like kind of wiry and strong and stuff. Right. So I started to get mad. You know, the kind of like, who's this guy think he is? Like, well, bruh, just calm down a little. Like, whatever. My ego? I don't know. Whatever. But I started to get mad. So I'm like, okay. I was like, payback time or whatever, right? So I'm half joking, but I'm kind of angry on the inside. Not super angry. I'm not right. trying to hurt nobody. But I'm, tr- I'm turning up the heat, though, on purpose. Right. But I was emotionally involved. Mm-hmm. So I felt myself getting, like, all tired. Like, I'm, bruh, I'm trying to, like, use too much strength. And, like, mm-hmm. and I felt myself, myself getting all tired. And I'm like, bruh, I didn't have to get that tired right there. And I probably have, would have done better or been more effective if I just stuck to the regular jujitsu, you know? 100%. So that's what it is. Here's an exercise you can do to help that, no matter the level. Roll yourself up on a carpet like Hicks and Gracie. <laughs> yeah, that's for the claustrophobia <laughs> thing. No, um, breathe all the way out <clears throat> consciously. So when you're breathing or whatever, breathe all the way out till your lungs are empty. 
with your breathing. It yeah. helps. Because like not only- While you, you're going live, yes, sparring. Yeah, yeah, okay. 100%. So not only will you not hold your breath, you'll focus on breathing all the way out so you're that much consciously focused on your breathing so your breathing doesn't get interrupted with like panic or stress or nothing like that. It helps a lot, a lot. Jack. Yep, just focus on breathing. Jack. One drill. Good little uh, tips there, bro. Yep. All right, let's go. One more question. Next Last question. question. Mr. Jocko, I am 26 years old and I live in Ukraine where our civil population is always in danger and of getting killed by Russian missiles. My question is how to live through the day knowing that civilian people die here or there in my country. Given your Iraq experience, perhaps you could advise how to keep common sense, not dwell in a feeling of guilt, and also not be too anxious. Thanks in advance. So, so essentially what this boils down to, my friend, is you can only control what you can control. That's what you can do. What does that mean? Well, first of all, for your own personal, for you, for your family, like some simple things, uh, always be in a situation where you have overhead cover or where you can get to some kind of a, a bunker, right? Figure out what the enemy patterns of behavior are and use that intel that you gather to guide your actions, guide your family's a- actions. It doesn't mean you get complacent. complacent. But you, you think about what's happening. You learn medical and combat trauma skills that, so that you can help out if something like this happens. And there, I, I, there's a ton of information on this, free information on YouTube. And obviously if you're listening to this podcast, you, you, you have some kind of access to the internet, go on YouTube, um, how to stop bleeding, how to put on a tourniquet, how, how to do needle decompressions, how to do, you know, chest seals. There's a bunch of things that you can learn from YouTube, and 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 you're in a situation where you damn well might need to know these things for you, for your family, for the other civilians that you're around. Learn about blast injuries. You know, blast injuries are different, right? Ears, lungs. I mean, even your abdomen. The way your abdomen and the cavities in your gut can react, what it does to your brain. So. So start to learn what you can do. Again, what we're doing is we're taking action. All this time, you're not, you're not sitting there worrying, oh my gosh, people are dying. That might be in the back of your brain, but now all of a sudden it's taking a smaller thing because you're figuring out what you can do to help. Put some kind of a kit together, right? Put some kind of a kit together, some kind of a medical kit that you're now carrying with you if something like this happens. Maybe start training a couple of your neighbors. You all get together. You, you all put kits together. There's a lot of aid going into Ukraine right now. Take advantage of that, right? So you're taking these actions, you're being proactive instead of sitting around and waiting to get blown up, sitting around and listening to missiles hit, sitting around to, and, and listening to other civilian areas get bombarded. You're actually doing something that's gonna help you mitigate this risk. It's gonna help other people mitigate the risk. If you can learn some of these skills and you can train some of these skills and some other people, you're making progress. You're taking action. And when you do this, this is how you win. You win by focusing on what you can control. And are civilians still going to get hit with missiles? Yes, they are. 
Yes, they are. That's what's going to happen. That's what happens in war. That's an awful situation that you're in. But at least now you know how to respond, right? So now we're, we're now we're ready. V- similar thing with IEDs in Iraq, right? The roadside bombs in Iraq. The roadside bombs were the biggest threat. And we and I focused on the things that we could actually control in the situation, which is we can we can come up with good plans that mitigate the risk. We gather intelligence that helps us mitigate the risk. We do countermeasures. So we have things that we utilize, technical things that help us mitigate the risk. We do rehearsals. So if a contingency unfolds, we know what we're gonna do. So we, we, we do everything that we can to control the situation that we're going into. And guess what? It can still happen. It can still happen. You can still be, you can do everything right. You can do planning, you can gather intel, you can set up your countermeasures, you can rehearse everything, you can have good contingency, you can do all that stuff perfectly. And you can still hit a roadside bomb. And you can get killed, and some of your guys can get killed. But here's the thing, if I'm sitting there and focused and worried and what you said the word dwell and, and guilt, if I'm feeling that all the time of what could happen and that's what I'm focused on, it's gonna paralyze me. And it's actually, even if it doesn't paralyze me, it's taking my mind off of things that I can actually have an impact on. Look, you can't, if there's a missile out there and it's, it's aimed at your place and it's gonna get fired off, okay. It might hit, it might miss, it might be short, it might be long. We don't know. But what we do know is what we can control. We know that we can learn about where they, when they shoot these missiles, when they fire these missiles. We know that we can learn where the areas that they usually fire them, what time it is, what targets they usually go after, what we can do to mitigate those things. What can we do to disrupt their patterns? If they're shooting missiles at night, what, what are we doing with our lighting? Are we making sure that we're, we're not lighting up our buildings? These little things that we can do. And then if we do get hit, we're gonna have the right medical procedures in place. We learned, we put kits together, we have a contingency plan. And if you focus on that, you focus on what you can actually control, first of all, you're gonna be better off and the people in your country, in your community, in your neighborhood, in your building, in your family, all of them are gonna be better off. You're gonna be a positive light for all those people. And document what's happening, right? People are gonna wanna know what's going on there now and in the future. So that's another thing you can focus on. Focus on documenting what's happening and getting the word out. There's a huge propaganda war going on. If you're on the ground, you can help. You can help put out information so people understand what's going on on the ground. So the bottom line here is how do you keep common sense? How do you not dwell on a feeling? How do you not be too anxious? The, 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 the answer is take action. Take action. Action is the cure. It is at least, if it's not a cure, it's at least a treatment for the guilt. It's a treatment. It'll, it'll tamper and mitigate your anxiousness and it'll mitigate your anxiety. You do that through taking action. 
So that's what you need to focus on. And by the way, take care. I know you guys are in a tough spot over there. And it's going to be a long fight. And it's going to be an insurgent war against this large invading force. You shouldn't be trying to fight a conventional war against a large invading force that has very, very large supplies and massive numbers of troops. This is it. This calls for an insurgency. So that's what you're going to be in. And that's the reality of what you're facing. Go toward it and take action. And with that, uh, thanks everybody for joining us. Thanks for supporting the cause. We appreciate y'all. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate that you're out there doing what you're doing. I mean, just listen to everybody today. We got guys that are literally fighting wars. We got folks that are losing weight. We got folks that are rebuilding their lives. We got folks that are running businesses. That's what. That's what's just awesome. It's awesome to see, and we appreciate you out there. We appreciate you listening. You know where you can find us. We're on the interwebs. Watch out for that algorithm, and we will be here regardless of what happens. We'll be here in this last bastion of freedom in the underground. And until next time, this is Echo and Jocko. <laughs>